Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. The Etzel and Eleanor Ford House is a historic treasure and open for your tour. M1 Concourse is more than a private speedway. It opens for special events as well, like the American Speed Festival coming soon. Grand Rapids comes alive with creativity at Art Prize 2021. And over a 50-year career, Todd Reed has taken photos in just about every place in Michigan. And now he's produced a commemorative book and documentary. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. It's good to be back with you again this weekend as we talk to our friends from all throughout the state about the uh, various things you can see and do and explore in beautiful Pure Michigan. And uh, let me tell you, I've been able to get out there this summer. It's been so great. I hope you have been as well. And now as we head into fall, one of the things that uh, you're more likely to want to do is to go into some of our cultural attractions, our museums, our art galleries, and our historic places. So really happy that we get to go to one of those places that kind of brings all these cultural things together and more. We're going to head to the Ford House at uh, Gross Point Shores. You might have thought about it as the Etzel and Eleanor Ford House because that's exactly what it is. Sometimes that's a little, uh, little too much for the tongue, so we'll just, we'll just refer to it as the Ford House as we bring in Claire Pfeiffer. Claire is the Director of Communication and Engagement with the Ford House. Claire, it's good to have you on the program. Hi, thanks for having us. You bet. I, I'm so happy to know that we can still tour and uh, enjoy the Ford House. It's such a special place. Uh, a lot of people might not have ever been there before, especially people from the west side or the northern parts of Michigan and then in our surrounding states and in Ontario where we have a lot of listeners. So why don't you uh, tell us about the Etzel and Eleanor Ford House, how it came about, and what it offers guests. I'd be happy to. So Ford House is the historic estate of Etzel and Eleanor Ford. Etzel Ford was the only son of Henry Ford. And Eleanor actually was um, a relative of the Hudson family, the J.L. Hudson family that was her uncle. And they uh, moved to this area, Gross Point Shores, with their four children. Um, it wasn't their first family home, but it was their final family home. And they built this beautiful lakeside estate really to have a secure private place for their family. You can imagine that in the 1920s, you know, the Model T had been a huge success. Um, that that was a time when the Fords were very famous, very wealthy, and there were a lot of security issues. So this this like private getaway on the lake was their home. It was really a family home. They enjoyed a lot of family time together, and we have wonderful home movies that show that. Um, 
And now we're open. Um, when Eleanor passed away in 1976, she left the home to the community. She wanted it to be a place for everybody to come and enjoy and to use and to really be an asset for the community. So we are open as not only a museum, but we also have programs and events and classes. Um, we're a host for many, many community events and really just a place for people to come together and be able to enjoy this piece of beauty and history in, that we are so lucky to have. It really is a special place. And I love that it, you, when you're at the, the, the Ford House, you can really feel what, what life must have been for Edsel and Eleanor Ford. And, and I bet people um, better know and understand Edsel Ford than Eleanor. Um, and you know, Edsel died way too young. Mm -hmm. uh, people don't understand, I think, often that, of course, his very powerful father was so pioneering, but Edsel was as well in many, many ways. But I don't know a lot of Eleanor Ford. Do you tell that story as part of the tour? So actually, yes, we, um, one of the exciting things we've just done here at Ford House is completed this new visitor center, uh, which has a wonderful, um, interactive, lots of films and, and home movies and artifacts from the Fords, and it really gives you a picture into who they all were, including Eleanor. Um, she was, like Etzel, very philanthropic-minded. She gave very graciously to all sorts of institutions that we treasure, like the DSO, like the Detroit Institute of Arts, um, many, many social service organizations, but the Fords were kind of quiet about their philanthropy. They were very generous donors, um, and so I think that's kind of why maybe people don't know about her, even though her impact on our region, we see it everywhere. Um, you know, think about how many things are named for it. If you walk through the DIA, when you look at some wonderful works of art there, you notice who donated them. You will often see a Ford. If it wasn't Eleanor, it was one of her children. They had four children. And uh, we really see their impact in a lot of our rich history and art throughout this whole area that's good to hear I, if i remember right the house is a tudor style um but but within the house you have these very unique personalities in each of the rooms like the kids room totally different yes, style and such very modern um which is really shows their design aesthetic uh, they were so into modern art a lot of our modern art collection at the dia is because of their generosity um and you can see that throughout the home. Uh, they had a interior designer, Walter Dorwin Teague, who was known for actually industrial design, which is kind of interesting. They brought him in to do some of their home spaces. So there are modern rooms that are you know, not what you would expect when you're walking through the rest of the house. Yeah. That feels like a castle. <laughs> it does. And all this beautiful artwork and you see the furniture. You know, yes. Claire, we're, we're going to run out of time here. Oh. Um, I am, you know, it seems like it just flies by. It we're going to have to have you come back because I know there's a lakeside restaurant. You can picnic yes. on the lawn. You have special programs. Yeah. So, so let's talk again soon. What's the website for people to find out more? It's FordHouse.org. We encourage, if you haven't been here a while, you, we talked about the new visitor center and exhibits, and it's really a new experience. So even if you have been here and done the tour years ago, there's so much new going on here that we would love people to come check out all the great things we have going on. I can't wait to do it myself, FordHouse.com. We're going to 
say thank you for now, and we're going to check out the American Speed Festival next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. One of the things that you're most likely to think about Michigan when you identify Michigan to other people, when you tell people the Michigan story, is you're most likely to talk about cars. We are, you know, of course, America's headquarters for cars, not only for manufacturing, but for design and engineering. I mean, we're uh, where it all started. Uh, of course, Henry Ford made the automobile affordable to everyone way back then. And now uh, to have a car uh, is just a normal thing, thanks to the Detroit area. Uh, one of the other things that you might likely know is that there are a lot of ways you can experience the uh, history and the current situation for automotive. One of them might be new to you. It's relatively new to me, uh, hard to believe. I, I often think I know everything about Michigan, and then there we go, another thing I've just learned. M1 Concourse is quite a thing, and to tell us about that and about an event we're calling American Speed Festival, let's bring in Tim McGrain. He is the CEO of the M1 Concourse over in Pontiac. Tim, it's good to have in the program. Dave, hello. Thanks for being here. Um, please tell us first a little bit about your background, how you got into uh, this uh, this auto scene, and then I want to learn about the M1 concourse. So I grew up in Kent, southeast England, um, and my, my father was a motor dealer, but cars weren't a passion of his. He was actually passionate about soccer because he played it um, at a younger age. Uh, but at an early age, I sort of became very enthralled with cars. We lived maybe less than two miles from one of the major racetracks at the time called Brands Hatch. So spent uh, many a weekend out at the track watching, you know, anything and everything race and, and admittedly probably a few misguided school days out there as well. So cars and, and racing are something I, I've always sort of been very fond of and, and enjoyed and followed. Uh, I moved to the United States in 1982 um, and lived on the West Coast and got involved with putting on a, a vintage uh, road race, vintage race in Palm Springs. Uh, it was the first vintage uh, race that happened in Palm Springs since the sort of the 50s. Um, and since that time, I've been involved in a number of aspects of the, the classic car world and the racing world. I spent a number of years with companies in the classic car auction world. Uh, started off with a company West Coast based called Rick Cole Auctions, who, who started the, the first auction in Monterey. Um, ended up sort of finishing up doing four years with Barra-Jackson Auction Company, uh, which most people know because of the television coverage. Hmm. Spent some time at the Blackhawk Museum, which is one of the leading automotive museums. It's located in the East San Francisco Bay Area. And then most recently, through the end of 2019, I was fortunate to run Laguna Seca Raceway on the Monterey Peninsula. Wow. Well, you, you certainly have a, a background in cars. Have you ever been to Silverstone over in the UK? I have. Uh, actually, three years ago, nobody went anywhere last year, uh, but uh, 2019, uh, we went out there for one of the big historic races that a friend of mine is involved with called the Silverstone Classic. Uh, I've never been there for the Formula One event. In fact, when I was younger, Brands Hatch 
um, used to host the Formula One Grand Prix every other year. One year was at Silverstone, the next year will go to Brands Hatch. Oh, yeah. Eventually, Brand, uh, Silverstone became its its annual home. Yeah, uh, that's it's spectacular circuit. It really is. I was there for the 50th anniversary of the Mustang, and Pure Michigan sponsored that event and got a lot of awareness and attention out there. And uh, I was really impressed at the the uh, obvious love of cars that uh, we share with our friends in the UK. And really happy that that you're here now. You're at uh, the M1 Concourse in Pontiac after all this experience. Uh, happy to see that you are there. Tell us about M1 Concourse. So M1 is an 87-acre facility. We're located on Woodward Avenue. And actually, our name comes from Woodward Avenue's designation as Michigan Highway Number 1. So uh, we're right there, right on the edge of uh, where, where Pontiac joins Bloomfield. Uh, the 87-acre property is, is historically referred to as the Triangle. It's been the configuration it has since the early 1900s. Um, and actually, the first company that built vehicles on this property uh, was called the Rapid Motor Car Company, which was named after the road that's actually still behind us, Rapid Street. Um, we have been around about five years. Uh, we are, have a 1.5-mile, 11-turn, high-performance driving track. This isn't a racing circuit. It wasn't designed for wheel-to-wheel -wheel competition racing, uh, but more high-performance driving. And we have 250 privately owned garage condos um, that surround about a third of the track. It's quite a unique uh, experience there. Uh, just the fact that, in effect, uh, private car owners, classic car owners mostly, have this uh, private track to themselves that most of the time it is private. But you open it up every so often for some really cool events. You have one coming up pretty soon called the American Speed Festival. It's coming up uh, on the uh, 30th through uh, October 3rd. And uh, even that event has a couple of different facets to it. Tell us, tell us about the American Speed Festival. Yeah. So American Speed Festival is, is, is one of, of four signature events um, that, that, that we hold you know, during the year. Um, it's going to be our, our feature event. Because we're not uh, a racing track from a point of wheel-to-wheel -wheel competition, the Speed Festival is going to allow us to have you know, cars do timed runs or demonstration runs um, that, again, because of their historical significance, you wouldn't see in competition on a track. Um, probably the feature part of this particular, of this year's event will be uh, the Chaparral cars. The Chaparral cars were designed and built by Jim Hall out of Texas. Jim was a legendary driver and, and then became, you know, probably more famous for his technological advancements in the world of motorsports with his sports cars in the 60s and then moving into Indy cars in the 70s and 80s. Um, Jim's going to be our honoree this year. Four of the legendary cars are coming out of his museum in Midland, Texas. Three of them will run on the track um, in demonstration runs. But we've got a series, a series of different classes of cars. And what we're looking to do is to be able to showcase the past, present, and future of race cars. Um, so we'll have you know, cars, again, from the 50s and 60s. We've got a, a unique um, Indy car, uh, a car that ran in the 1966 Indianapolis 500. Um, it, it finished 10th. A driver by the name of Jerry Grant, who was a very proficient driver, but is actually owned by um, Indy 500 winner Bobby Rahal. Bobby's hmm. going to bring out this Gurney Eagle. Um, and there's just a, a great selection of cars 
whether they're Can-Am cars, Indy cars. We've got some modern day, some contemporary supercars that are going to be here. And the idea is to create an event that's more of a lifestyle event with an automotive theme than sort of a true hardcore car event. So 10 different classes uh, in this, this racing event, if I understand it right. And then you also have a kind of an ex exposition going with a bunch of classic cars. And that sounds really cool as well. We do. So the on-track activity will happen on the Friday and Saturday. And then Sunday will be the exposition of cars. So uh, we will have you know, probably close to three to 400 cars that will be showcased. And what we do with those, we, we, we place them around the track. So the track almost becomes sort of the walkway for the spectators uh, to enjoy the cars that are showcased either side. So all the cars that participated on track the two days before will be on display, plus a series of, of other, both race cars, sports cars, and other performance-related cars will be on display. Well, it sounds so cool. And you know what I really like about this? You don't have to be a real gearhead to enjoy these things. You can enjoy just watching these cars go around the track and, and then see these, uh, these classic cars, uh, uh, something like 60-plus cars planned for the event. So it's the American Speed Festival. It's coming up September 30th through October 3rd at the M1 Concourse in Pontiac. So the website, is it uh, m1concourse.com? That, that's correct. It's either m1concourse.com or they can go to americanspeedfestival.com. Yeah, that, that's a good one as well, americanspeedfestival.com. Uh, Tim, so great to meet you. Thank you for being with us on the program today. I uh, can't wait to visit myself. I'll be out there as soon as I can. Everybody else, get out there on September 30th through October 3rd for the American Speed Festival, that website, americanspeedfestival.com. We're going to check out Art Prize. It's coming back to Grand Rapids, and aren't we happy? Right next, coming up on Pure Michigan's Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. One of the things I most love about this season that we're about ready to come into is the fact that uh, this is the time of the year when typically we have one of the biggest art, I guess we'll call it competitions because it is, one of the biggest art competitions in the country and it's right in our backyard in Grand Rapids, Michigan, over in west side of the state. And of course, last year with COVID, all these you know things that had to uh, change, it was, it was different. But here we are coming back into a new norm, even though we continue to work with the challenges of COVID as it continues. Just a quick reminder to do all you can to uh, think of others as you uh, travel around anywhere you go in the state, but especially to our big events. So let's find out what's happening this year with Art Prize by bringing in Janet Korn. She is the Senior Vice President of Experience Grand Rapids. Janet, I'm really looking forward to Art Prize this year. Oh, we are too. You know, it's the most amazing um, thing that kind of happens all over downtown is to watch these pieces of art be installed by artists and to be able to explore uh, their creativity and their messaging and often find the artists right there with their work. 
I agree. Uh, and you know, how many years has Art Prize been going? Well, we've had Art Prize ten times, so this will be the eleventh Art Prize. Fantastic. Uh, well, uh, we're looking forward to it. And you know, even before COVID, Art Prize continues to evolve and change, and find new ways to present uh, these uh, artists and their pieces of art. Uh, to the visitors so there are going to be changes one way or the other let's just get used to that and let's enjoy it let's celebrate the fact that uh, we can see art prize in different ways so for for our prize this year uh, 9 16 through 10 3 are the dates uh, what uh, what are some of the things that we should be aware of as we come into Grand Rapids and enjoy this fantastic event well, Dave, I think there's a couple things that um, are really perfect for this year. One of them is that they've really made a concentrated effort to have a lot of art outdoors. Mm -hmm. And that's always been some of the most popular uh, venues anyways. And so they know that. But then especially um, because we all are much feeling healthier outdoors yeah. so um, so that is one thing and then the second thing that I've always said about art price is it's a little bit like a scavenger hunt yeah because yeah. you know I can look at the website and I can see what the thousand pieces of art look like and I can read about the artists and I can see where they're located all over town but there's nothing like just strolling around and being greeted by these amazing uh, displays and so this year they've actually made a new app and, and we've all gotten really good at using QR codes. Mm. So there's going to be QR codes around downtown and the public will be able to use their smartphones, scan the QR codes and then sort of have a game of a, helping award uh, like tokens of art to the artists in those particular areas. So I don't know exactly how that's going to work yet, but that's what will be part of the fun is so not just um, interacting with the art, potentially spotting the artists and having, uh, you know, conversations with them, but also um, being able to have a real direct role in awarding um, some prize money to the so, artists. So the gamification of art prize, a little bit different twist there. You know, there's always been this this public scoring opportunity, but to your point, Janet, I'm one of those people who is kind of spatially, directionally challenged, really, truly. I can look at a map, I can look at apps, I still get lost. So I've never really scored any of the pieces because I, I, I just haven't felt like I've seen enough of them just by chance but I've, I've also really enjoyed just by chance discovering these pieces so you don't have to be part of the scoring you can just enjoy wandering around town and seeing what you see absolutely and it's such a fun uh, multi-generational experience um, how fun it is to like introduce and uh, young children if you have them in your life and if you don't watch other young children um, exploring the art and it, it you know it's just a the it's, it's an exciting positive experience and I think that's something we could all look forward to yeah I agree now uh, you know in, in recent years other communities have kind of picked up on the theme and they have their own kind of their own um, art prize type exhibitions but for the official art prize uh, pieces of work, um, are they all centered in downtown Grand Rapids? Uh, yes, I think uh, Frederick Meyer Gardens is also a venue for the art, so that's not located downtown, but you know, 
that's an amazing place as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they've redone their welcome area there, which is a work of art in itself. So really great reasons to um, be able to stop there on a visit to Art Prize as well. I, I'm really glad you mentioned that. I, uh, we recently went to um, one of the concerts at the, um, the theater there on the grounds of Meyer uh, gardens and sculpture park and I hadn't, I hadn't been to a show there in years and years and I was so impressed with the layout the new uh, entry area and welcome reception area it's just another just very impressive thing about uh, Meyer gardens and sculpture park and, and it's I think one of the reasons why our prize really came to Grand Rapids uh, because of this understanding that there are a lot of people who love art who will travel for art who will come to communities and really want to uh, be enriched by the fact that uh, you can find all this art in this really art-friendly place. So um, we, we, we start everything very soon, and it goes through October 3rd. And I know the, the list of artists, um, you know, it's, it's just too big to get to. But, but there's, a, there's a real variety of art types, of art genres, right? Oh, absolutely. So um, everything from, you know, two-dimensional art, three-dimensional art, so um, things that use light as part of the display. So that's all, you know, art prize is fun in the morning, in the afternoon, and even in the evening um, because it, because the pieces of work, um, they change during the time of the day as well. Yeah, true, yeah, because of the different uh, way light uh, reflects on them. So let's give the website real here. It's it, real fast. It's artprize.org, and that's the place you can find everything. And then, of course, kind of check out some of those artists who are going to be there. You might be uh, preferential to a certain genre of art, so you'll be able to find out uh, who's going to be presenting their pieces and where those pieces are going to be on the website. Now, there are 18 days of exhibitions. Uh, Janet, I don't know if Art Prize is still the richest art competition for the public in the country, but there's a lot of money uh, that, that's going to be handed out for Art Prize. I don't know the exact amount, but a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. So hundreds of thousands of dollars is awarded to artists either in an, is a, a stipend to help them bring their pieces here, um, and also through the um, prizes that are going to be awarded. It's so good to, yeah. good to hear. Well, it's just another way that uh, Grand Rapids is demonstrating that it's much more than a business town. Uh, you know, Grand Rapids has evolved in such into such a great place to visit. And I know during Art Prize, there are a lot of other events happening at the same time. So you can come there for Art Prize and enjoy a variety of other events. Absolutely, and I would encourage listeners to use our um, experiencegr.com website to be able to um, find some of those events, but we've got everything from music events um, to the MSU Grand Fondo bike event, um, Oktoberfest. We have a brand new event called Global Water Festival GR, and there's going to be dragon boat races on the river. So really fun, exciting things for people in addition to Art Prize. So like if Art Prize wasn't enough, there's going to be a, a tremendous amount of other choices and reasons for, to come to town. <laughs> yeah, there sure is. Now, this this water festival, do you have any details on that at all? Besides, the, um, They're the, on the, our the, website, yeah. actually, and some, some of the details are still coming together. But, you know, it's a one-day event, um, you know, and we also have the African American Arts and Music Festival, too. So, really, there's, there's uh, reasons for every weekend of our prize. So, 
you know, maybe it needs more than one visit. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about that. Well, and, and the thing is, you can still get some hotels either downtown or in the region, maybe not downtown, depending on when you want to come. So you need to book your rooms like now. I wouldn't put it off. No, um, you know, uh, I think that's a really good suggestion. So, you know, the hotels are usually pretty flexible with their um with their scheduling um so i would if you can map out a weekend or map out a couple of days that you think that uh fit into your life best i would make those arrangements and like you mentioned um you know it's fun to stay downtown but we have an amazing um variety of hotels throughout the suburban areas as well and those provide easy access to downtown and you know uh, some additional amenities the 11th edition of Art Prize coming to Grand Rapids. 18 days of public art and a celebration of the crafters. So I hope you can uh, head there. Uh, to find out more, either go to experiencegr.com or if you'd like to go to the Art Prize website itself. It's artprize.org. And I want to thank Janet Korn, Senior VP of Experience Grand Rapids, for being with us today. Uh, their website, one more time, experiencegr.com. Speaking of art, there's the art of photography, and we're going to talk to a, an artist of photography next, right here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. It's Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. You know, typically when we talk to our guest, we're talking about a special event or we're encouraging you to go to a specific place. But this is the neat thing about uh, our next guest. We get to talk to somebody who's been to probably as many places in Michigan as I have, and that rarely happens. And he's been able to document his visits in a unique and different way and in a way that you and I can vicariously enjoy these places even now, well after he's been there. And that means that Todd Reed is a photographer and not just any photographer, he's an award-winning photographer. He and his son Brad uh, are out of Ludington at Todd and Brad Reed Photography. Todd, it's, it's great to have you on the program, especially since I know you have been in this uh, work for a long time and you've put together uh, a book, a collection of your photography uh, I guess your photographic memories. I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Welcome to the program. Hello, Dave. Glad to be here. I'm, I'm really happy you were here. You know, you and I have known each other for a long time, and, and I know a lot about you, but uh, some people might not have heard about you and Brad and what you do. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your business first and uh, where you're located, what you do. Well, our business is Todd and Brad Reed Photography. We have uh, what we still believe to be Michigan's uh, largest photography-only gallery in Ludington, Michigan on the Main Street. We've uh, developed that gallery over 20 years working hard together. Um, I've been photographing for 50 years, but uh, in the last uh, 20, I've got my son Brad uh, partnering. Uh, and uh, Brad grew up in the business, as did my other kids. Uh, Tad and Willie and my wife Debbie, uh, we we uh, did art fairs for many years. I bet you did. Uh, if you're not already doing them, I, you know that's the thing. Photographers are like other artists; they like to not only display their work but try to sell it along the way. 
and uh, I know you uh, you do that in your your shop in Ludington. Uh, I suppose you also sell your um, your photography over uh, over the websites as well, right? Yes, uh, we have a, a very strong website, which uh, a blessing of uh, the COVID-19 period when we were closed for two and a half months was that we were able to rebuild our website and make it even better and easier for, for uh, people interested in looking at it to navigate. Well, you have an interesting background. In addition to photography, uh, you have, um, and you've been doing photography for more than 50 years, but you're a former Coastie, uh, Coast Guard member, and uh, all during that time you took photos. And you've recently put together a book, the 50th anniversary book of your work. So um, let's first kind of go into your background a little bit. Tell us your life story and, and uh, some of the photos that, that are included in this great book. I uh, grew up in Ludington, Michigan. I was blessed to have parents who uh, worked hard, but when we, uh, when they weren't working, uh, they got us out in the Michigan outdoors all the time, hunting, fishing, hiking. My dad was a avid amateur photographer. Uh, I had no interest uh, really other than to hold the camera for him, but uh, when I went to Michigan State and got a degree in journalism, uh, you had to take one photography class to to get a degree and I, I kind of liked it. And then I came to the Ludington Daily News on an internship and the chief photographer, Russ Miller, quickly handed me a camera and the old adage, F8 and be there, something will turn out. <laughs> yeah, true, <laughs> that's right. So now when were you in the, the uh, Coast Guard? Was that before college, after college? So uh, after college, uh, I graduated in 1971 and then uh, went to work at the newspaper and then that fall I went in the Coast Guard and I went in on a program where I did active duty uh, for a period of time and then uh, had a six-year obligation, which uh, turned into a passion and, and uh, a skill for driving uh, self-riding Coast Guard boats. And I stuck around for 33 years. Uh, very often they retire you after 30, but um, they were happy to keep me around uh, um, because the Coast Guard was short-handed and I had a lot of qualifications to drive uh, self-riding motor lifeboats. Now, was that back in the day when uh, most Coasties were kind of closer to home? I, I don't expect that. I, I, I probably expect that you travel all over the country. Yeah, my first tour of duty was on a ship on the North Atlantic uh, called the Unimac. And then uh, once I uh, started doing duty uh, back home in Ludington, Michigan, I was assigned to the Coast Guard uh, Traverse City Reserve Unit, and they quickly assigned me to Station Ludington. And, and of my 33 years, I, I did uh, uh, probably 27 years of duty at Coast Guard Station Ludington. But also during that time, uh, did Coast Guard Station Frankfurt, Coast Guard Station Manistee, Coast Guard Station Holland, and we did some training schools at Coast Guard Station Charlevoix, and uh, we did some uh, patrolling of the harbor or the uh, Coast Guard Festival in Grand Haven many years. Oh, great! Well, you know, and I know you carried your camera along everywhere you went. So, I uh, noticed in your book you have plenty of pictures from those Coast Guard years. Yeah, more of the. Uh, really uh, what I would call the really lively ones, the rough ones were were uh, earlier in my career when I was um, a crewman and uh, not necessarily driving the boat in really stormy weather but but uh, had the camera along and 
could uh, could get some some pretty neat lively footage. Uh, in my later years, there's there's many we call them one of a kinds that that picture that's in your mind that you don't really take with a camera. It's a mental snapshot. We all have those, and and I've got so many of those that. Uh, uh, enough to last me a lifetime. Oh, I bet. I've been on those self-writing boats uh, and on uh, pretty rough waters on Lake Michigan, but never in places where they almost deliberately tip them over for training, thank goodness. But I've been, <laughs> but I have been kind of, you know, tethered to the uh, pole for safety and it's quite a ride. So uh, you, you have some of those photos in this book, but you have a whole bunch of others, mostly obviously in Michigan. Tell us what we can expect when we can pick up this book. Well, as you said, uh, we do have Coast Guard photos. We also have uh, photos of the Ludington Daily News where I worked for uh, 23 years. They were um, kind enough to let me use uh, images uh, that were new shots published in the paper and actually some clippings of, uh, of actual newspapers. And uh, that kind of brings to life some of the uh, historical images. And, I, and I, the ones I chose for the book uh, are, in that regard, are, are more um, maritime, uh, positive things, uh, farm fields, um, you know, animals, uh, uh, none of the hard news stuff <clears throat> that uh, over time uh, I gravitated to shooting more and more of the National Geographic style pictures, a slice of life, um, getting out in a field with a farmer, um, finding some commercial fishermen, unloading their catch, uh, just uh, Every, everyday life and, and people uh, really liked it, our readers liked it and my editor Paul Peterson who was a wonderful man who just passed away recently, uh, he was good enough to stick with me and, and, and see that, that, that um, kind, of, kind of an evolution of what we emphasized in our, in our news photography became more um, slice of life National Geographic approach so, and that's what I yeah. stuck with in the book. I think that's mm -hmm. why, you know, in, in some ways, I almost look at this as a travel book um, because you you do showcase so many interesting things, and I'm sure you, you had some pretty negative photos you had to take over time as well. But, but as you say, you, you focus on these positive things. People will be inspired to travel when they see this. And you put together a documentary. And, Todd, we're going to run out of time, so we don't have a lot of time to talk about it. But okay. I know your document, documentary is available uh, for download from toddandbradreed.com, and that doesn't cost anything. If people want to buy the book, they get it on the website as well? Yes, they can go to toddandbradreed.com and get that, or just call the gallery. And uh, the book has uh, 10 chapters of just uh, my favorite subjects, um, news as we call them, but everything from lighthouses to storms to shorelines to it's, it's, woods and water, all of Michigan. It's really great. Uh, so check it out, toddandbradreed.com. And my thanks to uh, Todd for joining us today. That's all the time we have for Travel Michigan. We'll talk to you next week here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling.